As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is SiriusXM Progress. Welcome to it. It's Thanksgiving Eve Eve, which is to say it's Black Friday Eve Eve Eve, and we're so glad you're with us here at Channel 127 for the next three hours. We're going to come at you with a lot. This is Tell Me Everything, the show about how to not go completely batshit. With America such as it is. The show how to fight back with facts and empathy and humor and culture. A show about the very fine art of giving a fuck. We got a good one this evening. Uh, Bob Henley, one of the greatest labor journalists in the game, will be with us. Lee Papa, the rude pundit. And in hour number three, our comedy daddy, Keith Price. As always, our most important guest is all y'all. We're at 866-997-GRIT. Give us a call and tell us about your Thanksgiving plans. How do you intend to get through this holiday? And, and what are you thankful for? Yes, at a time like this, when everything is so bleak and the more good news Joe Biden gets, the more the media tells us why this is a death knell for Joe Biden. What are you being thankful for? In the meantime, a hostage swap and temporary ceasefire agreement is imminent between Israel and Hamas. North Korea claims to have successfully launched a military reconnaissance satellite after setting off orbital alarms over Japan. There's a very large landslide near the southern Alaskan town of Wrangell that's left one person confirmed dead and many others missing. Uh, vets are warning dog owners to use caution at the dog parks and monitor your pet for symptoms of a novel respiratory illness that's been spreading coast to coast. A lot of dogs are coming down with this respiratory disease and they don't know what's causing it. All they know is it was probably leaked from a dog lab in China. And Susan Sarandon has been dropped by the talent agency UTA. No, I, I think that's mine. Uh, after remarks she made at several uh, rallies here in New York in support of the Palestinian people. How do you feel about that? Maybe you're not a fan of Susan Sarandon. Maybe you're a fan of her films, but not a fan of her activism. Maybe you love her activism, but not her last 20 years of films. Maybe you, you like what she stands for, but not always the people she helps get elected. What do you think of her being dropped by her own agent for her pro-Palestinian statements? Let's get to it. Guys, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a beautiful Thanksgiving weekend. The whole, if it's three days, four days, one day, five days, whatever you get... It's the only holiday when we all seem to think it's a good idea to mix alcohol, tryptophan, and relatives. I hope it works out well for you. We are honored 
to be celebrating Thanksgiving. It really is America's second favorite holiday, isn't it? It's, it's our second. It's the second most special day of the year. It, it, this, is, this is the Hydrox of holidays. It's the cheese nips. It's the Golden Globes of holidays. Um, you know, when the Wampanoag Indians first gave food to the original pilgrims uh, at the original Thanksgiving, they had no idea that they had just invented socialism for immigrants, but that's what they did that day. Americans consume 8 billion calories every Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just Trump. No, 8 billion every year. The average American consumes 3,000 to 4,500 calories, which is like more than the daily recommended dose. That's, that's that many thousand calories. That's, that's like, that's, that's like two Frappuccinos, you know, the average time to burn 4,500 calories it takes 10 hours and 33 minutes to burn as many calories as the average American takes in on Thanksgiving. But, hey, you know, putting up a tree in your house will take care of half of those calories. Shout out to the 9% of us who eat Thanksgiving dinner at a restaurant because who wants to be trapped indoors with family members all day in a house? 91% of Americans have Thanksgiving dinner at home. Um, Americans will spend an estimated $552 million on Thanksgiving this year. Approximately 46 million turkeys are sold in the U.S. for Thanksgiving alone. And you'll be glad to know the Butterball Turkey Hotline still answers over 100,000 questions on how to cook a turkey each year. 99 thousand of those questions happen in the next 48 hours. 96% of Americans celebrate Thanksgiving in some way. And that's something to be thankful for, brothers and sisters, because this is America. Nobody agrees with anybody. And we mostly agree on this. The 97th annual Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will include uh, over 8,000 people participating. Not just the ones who write obnoxious ads. There'll be over 1,000 dancers, 12 marching bands, over 1,000 cops, this year's parade will feature 31 floats, 25 balloons, and a performance by Cher. And if that's not a great premise for a zombie movie breaking out, then I got nothing. This year, I'm not so thankful for a few things. Not terribly thankful for a corrupt Supreme Court or anti-Semitism. Not really thankful for Islamophobia or mass shootings, but that's every year. Not really thankful for petulant billionaires destroying Twitter or Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. Not terribly thankful for a groveling, rating-starved media that enables Donald Trump or Putin invading Ukraine or democracy itself being under siege. But there's so much to be thankful for. Ron DeSantis has tanked, folks, and he's not coming back. Democrats, well, uh, they, they did pretty well in the elections this year, in the off-off-year elections. I'm still thankful for infrastructure and Katanji Brown-Jackson and decriminalizing weed on the federal level. Thankful that Derek Chauvin's still going to be in prison that a president is still trying to bring student loan debt relief. I'm thankful for the NASA James Webb telescope and that the health care benefits for veterans injured by burn pits are going into effect this year. I'm very thankful the big three pharmaceutical companies are now coming to the table to negotiate lower drug prices for seniors. That's something we voted for. I'm thankful for the movie They Clone Tyrone and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and The Wonderful Life of Henry Sugar on Netflix and Past Lives. I'm thankful they made another Indiana Jones movie and it was good. I'm thankful they made another Rolling Stones album and it was good. And they made another Beatles album and it, a Beatles song and it was good. I'm thankful that Tracy Chapman just won a country music award. I'm thankful for the heroic resistance of the Ukraine people. And I'm thankful for democracy being saved again by 
hardworking progressive people, African-American women, help from Gen Z in Wisconsin and Kentucky and Virginia. There's too much to be thankful for. I'm, I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. Also, remember, Thanksgiving is now Black Friday Eve. You know that, right? We have Black Friday. Then we have Small Business Saturday. Then there's Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. And, oh, you thought this shit was going to end Wednesday. That last one I made up, but they really should have that. You know, can I just say about Black Friday? Um, I once got pepper sprayed on a Black Friday while shopping in Walmart. And I can honestly tell you, it, it, it made the shopping experience better. It enhanced it for me. <laughs> Black Friday is when we buy material possessions as gifts to celebrate the birthday of a guy who renounced material possessions. It's a beautiful thing we do. A lot is made of the spiritual emptiness of Black Friday every year. You know, and it's true. If we, if we really wanted to keep Christ in Christmas, Black Friday would be about buying food and clothing to give poor people. But look, let's go with the character of Jesus in the Bible, whether you believe in him as original fact or uh, uh, the original innocent activist executed by the state or a myth or a groovy activist. Whatever you think of Jesus, he's all about love. And there is something nice about people honoring his birthday by doing loving things for people they love. I'm not against Black Friday in theory. There's something Jesus, again, whether he was mythical or divine or mortal or existed or not, something Jesus would have really liked about a season of kindness and love. And generally, I think the reason that Christmas means so much to most of us is that we all have positive childhood associations, memories of feelings of that love we associate with that time. Except when we had childhoods, there was still a middle class. I mean, this is a time of anxiety and economic stress, but I'm not anti-Christmas gifts. I'm not a socialist. I'm a capitalist with empathy. And I'm tired of watching our country repeat bad economic policy that didn't work when I was a kid and still doesn't work now. My problem with Black Friday is how we as a people tend to get coaxed, hyped, coerced, bullied into contributing to a really strong quarter for the people who own this country. That's what Black Friday is. Every year, the 1% tells the 99% to go save the economy. I mean, the Walton family has as much wealth as the bottom 40% of all Americans. And it's like, okay, non-millionaires, now that we've outsourced your jobs and had our taxes cut by the politicians we bought, now that we've had our corporations subsidized by your tax dollars, we're going to have our media tell you guys to go spend that money that won't circulate back into your local economies to buy foreign-made goods at our megastores on Black Friday. Okay? Now go shop and save the economy. Rich people wrecked. That's Black Friday, friends. Keep capitalism in Christmas. It's also when the media whips people into a frenzy, gets people all crazy, and then runs these stories about all these horrible, frenzied people. You'll see this. Go ahead and watch. You'll see they'll be hyping Black Friday, hyping it. Oh, shoppers are already lined up, Susie, two days early. And then, of course, when people wind up being crazy and deprived of high blood sugar and they're going nuts and fighting in the stores. Whoa, things got a little out of hand for some Black Friday shoppers today. What a shame, Sharon. Let's look at weather. That's what they do, guys. The media whips you into a frenzy and then they mock you for acting frenzied. It's like getting you hooked on crack, and then they mock you because you just sold your TV. But here's the good news about Black Friday. You ready? Uh, you're actually allowed to do Small Business Saturday on Black Friday. If you don't like the crowds, avoid them. 
shop in smaller places and try to buy American and try to buy in non-chain stores. Try to buy in the kind of store where you get the feeling you're spending gifts and your money is staying in your town. Maybe you're not worried about Black Friday. Maybe you're down with that. Maybe you're worried about that actual Thanksgiving dinner, which I understand. You're going to be seeing the right-wing loved ones. I know how that is. When you got to go and break bread and make merry with Uncle Racist and Aunt Dead Inside, look, I know. I'm here for you. We're here to take your calls all night about this or your questions. If you have any suggestions on how to get along with your Trump-supporting loved ones when you see them for the holidays, I recommend remembering not all your family or relatives and not all your relatives are family. Right? I mean, you got that racist uncle or aunt or parent or sibling or in-law with the bald eagle wallpaper fetish. You know, the, one, the same one who hated you for criticizing George W. Bush until Donald Trump totally badmouthed Bush, and now they hate you for criticizing Trump and they have Bush amnesia? Yeah, that relative. You know, the one who thinks the Bill of Rights is a carrying case for the Second Amendment. Maybe the, the, the lovely aunt whose Bible is actually the Golden Calf and Book of Revelation duct taped to a left-behind book. The kind of loved ones who hate celebrities giving their opinions... And then they worshipped Ronald Reagan, and they worshipped Arnold Schwarzenegger, and now they worship a racist reality show clown with a gold toilet. The ones beyond reason. And you are so ready to go and fight this year, aren't you? So ready to go home and slam dunk your ignorant Trump relatives this holiday season. I know the feeling. You paid attention to every detail. I'm here to tell you, maybe consider just this one year. Listen to Johnny Cash. Don't take your guns to town. Maybe the best way to win a family political fight this year... Don't have the fight. I'm not saying back down from discussing politics. I'm saying if it's possible, don't talk politics. Remind these conservative loved ones why they love you in the first place. Talk about football. Talk about The Mandalorian. Talk about what happened to Marvel films. Talk about you know, Ford is making a hybrid Mustang. I'm telling you, you win the fight if you're the one who doesn't fight. Don't take the bait. Doesn't mean the other relative won't try to fight you. But your only job in family political holiday debate every year is this. You ready? Whether you take the bait or not, your job is to be the most relaxed person in the room. You don't want to fight. You love these people. Even if you don't like them, you love these people. And maybe you don't love them. Maybe they're festering racists who can't spell your and they're comb-over Caligula fans. But if one of them ever needed bone marrow and you were the donor match, by God, you'd be there because you're the liberal. It sucks, but you're the good guy. You got to lead by example. So my only recommendation when you're dealing with your difficult loved ones, love, facts, empathy, patience. Don't hate them. Hate makes you stupid. And you can't fight them. They're cult members. You can tell them that Donald Trump stole from veterans with a scam online university. You can tell them that he was banned from running a charity because he stole money intended for veterans that he put into his campaign and had to pay $2 million in penalties. And they will tell you that Benghazi was Adam Schiff's fault. That's, the, that, that's what they're, they're going to say. Hunter Biden caused Benghazi. Because, you know, it was Susan Rice. Then they blamed Obama. Then the Republicans kept saying it wasn't the White House. And they said it was Hillary. There was no stand-down order. She testified 11 hours. The ambassador's mother begged us to stop exploiting it. So they blamed it on Hillary. They're beyond facts. They're beyond reason. You will not win with logic. You can win over the bystanders. Keep that in mind. Don't debate a right-winger in a vacuum on Thanksgiving. But if you can be the most relaxed person in the room, you don't get angry with them, don't get frustrated, let the table see that you have the facts and that you're not the upset one, then 
you can wade into that pool if you need to. But remember, you're not debating to win. You're debating the win over the bystanders. And the way you treat your right-wing loved ones, the calm and respect you show them, will be as important to winning over the bystanders, and I'm including their kids, as the bystanders you will win over. Being calm and respectful to them is every bit as important as your command of facts. You win by standing your ground, by stating facts, by not getting angry, and by not letting them see you get upset. Let them get upset. You are the calm one with the truth. And the truth is, Israel's full cabinet was meeting till late today, and they approved a Qatar and the U.S.-mediated deal where Hamas will free dozens of Israeli hostages in exchange for a four-day pause in fighting in Gaza and the release of dozens of Palestinian women and children held inside Israeli prisons. If this deal is implemented, it'll be the biggest diplomatic breakthrough. This will be the first major pause in fighting since this destructive conflict began, or at least since the events and the attacks of Hamas on October 7th, because the events that put this entire thing in place began many years ago. This deal would be major, and it would be a very big achievement for Joe Biden's administration. This conflict has already allegedly killed more than 12,000 Palestinians, more than 1,000 Israelis, and Biden is under a lot of pressure to stop the bloodshed. Benjamin Netanyahu made it clear today, this will only be a temporary truce. He said, we are at war, and we will continue to be at war. But that's enough for me to be grateful. This is more hope than we've had in over a month, that there might be a pause to all this bloodshed. So I'm grateful to work at this wonderful channel. I'm grateful for the great audience we have. I'm grateful to work with a dynamic and wonderful production team. And of course, I'm just so grateful for all you guys calling us at 866-997-4748. I leave you with the words of John F. Kennedy. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words but to live by them. 60 years tomorrow, President John Kennedy. Before we hit the break, let's go to Sean in Cali. Sean, thank you so much for your patience on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Hello. Hey, brother, what a great opening. So, you know, I agree. I mean, what am I thankful for? You know, uh, we got all this stuff going on. You know, you and I will talk about all these very serious issues going forward because I call all the damn time. But what I'm saying, and it's true. That's a true thing because I love you and I love your comedy. You love it I when love you call. The whole, yeah. And so, but I am so, I have my mother's 82. And we're so fortunate that she could stay with my aunt and uncle like 10 minutes away. And they have a studio apartment there. And my mom so far, you like her long-term memory is super yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But I wish she would forget some of the things I did as a youth. But her short term's kind of going. She needs some help and all that. But she's able to do lots of things independently. But Thanksgiving, we're bringing her here. We're bringing her here. Um, and she could be with, um, you know, my wife and I and the kids and, and some in-laws. And uh, my aunt and uncle happen to be going somewhere else, just the way it goes. But I'm so thankful of that. You know, I smoke turkey legs now. This is here's a tip for people on Thanksgiving. If I'm telling you, I've made a bunch of turkeys and and they're (laughs) not easy. It's not easy to get right. I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm a good I'm a pretty doggone good home cook. And uh, those aren't good. So I get the legs, rub them up in, in olive oil, people. Then put your favorite rub on them. 
and then you can cook them at a, you know, two two twenty five, whatever you do in the oven, or you can okay. Do smoke, I'm writing all this down. Which is okay, what I'm doing. Yes, please okay. do. And, and yes, if you do it on a smoker, then you're at the next level. I, I finally got to that level. But look, one. Oh, way, I was doing the air fryer. I'm sorry. Person, Go on. Okay. One person yeah. feeds one. I mean, one leg feeds one person. So there you go. And it's all about the sides. Here's the key, people. Here is the secret of Thanksgiving besides the love and being thankful for all the people around you. Is that it's the side dishes that you bring. Bring something to the to the party. <laughs> That's what it's all about. And then right on, man. if you run out of turkey or whatever, it doesn't matter. And that's what I wanted to say because, you know, I do, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, we got so much going on in this world that we can, and I am, I'm not recovered as a, a cynical person. I'm working oh, okay. On well, listen, I, oh, anyway, listen, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You are so lucky to still have your mom with you, and I hope all y'all have a wonderful one. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with the great Bob Henley. This is Sirius XM Progress, pro-thanks and pro-giving. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Allow me to quote my next guest from an excellent piece he has in InsiderNJ.com. This week marks the 60th anniversary of JFK's assassination and the first real traumatic event of my life that ended my eight-year-old universe of innocence. For me, the oldest of six in an Irish Catholic family, John Kennedy was the embodiment of what a hero was supposed to be. In the years since, there's been a string of similar atrocities culminating most recently in the violent January 6, 2021 insurrection. These days, it's hard to maintain any semblance of my third grader self's optimism in a country where grade schoolers have to drill for the possibility of a mass casualty shooting in their school. That's from a new piece called 60 Years After JFK's Murder 
and the Guns Are Winning by Robert Henley, an award-winning investigative journalist who has a 40-year career of covering public policy, top-to-bottom, corruption, economy, homeland security, environmental policy, immigration. Mr. Henley was senior reporter at WNYC for 12 years, and you may have read his stuff in the New York Times, Christian Science Monitor, the Detroit Free Press, or seen him on 60 Minutes or C-SPAN. It's always a great pleasure to have Robert Henley and to wish him a happy Thanksgiving. Hello, sir. Thank you so much. And what a wonderful thing to have you read that opening. It was uh, as I, in my mind's eye, you know, it it's just being, I guess, at this point at 68 and then reflecting on this period of time, I just, I go on in that piece to talk about that the mass casualty drill we had in that third grade classroom was to prepare, uh, go out single file and go along the cinder block wall, put our face towards there, crouch down, and, and hope that we weren't be the subject of a thermonuclear blast from yep. the USSR. And so it does make me feel that I just have to ask this question, what is it about American culture and death and militarism? And I do think that that's that's something that we, um, even on the occasion, I guess, some some good news as we speak tonight about um, a ceasefire and the hostages being released, some hostages being released over in uh, in Israel um, and in Gaza. But it is just seems to be a constant theme that has consumed so much of my lifetime. Yeah, same here. I, I mean, you write in this piece, Bob, what is it? with American culture and death anyway. Could it be a nation built on bloody violent conquest just can't stop even after all the territories have been subdivided? Since JFK's murder, more Americans have died from civilian gunfire than the number of a well over one million American soldiers killed in all our wars, according to a flyer circulated by the Virginia Center for Public Safety in 2016. I mean, I think you're right, Bob. I, it makes me sad to say it, but 60 years to the day after JFK's murder... And it does look like the guns are winning, at least, the, as you put it, the nation's children and their families are increasingly losing. Right. And I think that also, for whatever reason, we're insulated from considering the total cost. And there is some data out there that shows uh, that that gun violence that we've kind of internalized and accepted as part of the na- national narrative, uh, it's something like over uh, half a trillion dollars in, in, in indirect and direct costs to us in terms of the lost earnings of the people that are killed, the tens of thousands of folks that are um, that die as a result of gun violence, either self-inflicted or from as an act of violence by, by someone else. And, and that is the size, like 10 times the size of the budget for the, the Marine Corps. It's 10 times, uh, you know, multiples of of what we put uh, forward for education. And so when you juxtapose that with what we talked about all through the pandemic, where America's scarcity when it came to health care, uh, it brings alive the instruction from Martin Luther King for us to consider the real violence of our militarism and how it distorts yeah. all of our other priorities. And it, it seems that we've internalized this violence to the point that not only are we exporting weapons, but it's something that is uh, has defined American life here at home. 
Is it a uniquely American thing, Bob, or is it a uniquely male thing? And America just happens to be a place where the conditions have been set up for 200 years where it's allowed to happen. I mean, if you had this much control of gun industry lobbyists and other societies, would we not see just as much carnage there as we see here? Or or have Americans just grown up with generations of people thinking this is acceptable? Well, I think that uh, there is some, uh, the Violence Policy Center produced a state-by-state comparison looking at the availability of guns and gun regulation. And there's a direct connection between the availability of guns uh, and the lack of regulation and a higher death rate. And it's measurable and it's observable. And so then the question becomes, why is it that we are incapable as a society of of marshalling the resources to actualize change. And that gets back to the inherent corruption in the political system because of the fact that through Citizens United, money has gotten control of our politics. And then add to that, we've talked about in the show, which unfortunately doesn't get talked about enough, the demise of local news. So we're losing a sense of how, how do we know what we know? We're not getting authenticated information anymore. We're getting stuff that is aggregated, whether it be through AI or some marketing director, to play to our prejudices to inform and drive our fears. And so that's why we can't quit the addiction of gun violence. And until we change the dynamic around those underlying issues, we're going to be condemned to this. As you point out in the piece, our relatively low level of gun ownership and tight regulations pays off. New Jersey New ranks Jersey, 40... Right. 48th in the nation in terms of the gun death rate, just ahead of New York and only behind Hawaii and Massachusetts. I mean, it shows that where you actually have these laws and regulate this to, I don't know, be pro-life, to protect the lives of Americans, it just takes a little bit of harm reduction to reduce a lot. And that's a great phrase, harm reduction. So in Mississippi, where 50 percent of the households have a gun, and there's a lack of firearm regulation, which they're actually quite pr- uh, proud of. Um, the It's 32.61 uh, um, gun uh, deaths related to per 100,000. So by contrast to New Jersey, and only 15% of the households have access to guns in the household, and uh, we have strenuous regulation, only 5.13, so that's just over five gun deaths per 100,000. That's like a a different country. And so the question is we have to ask is why are we incapable of having a conversation about the real cost of all this? And then also look at the underlying way that guns are marketed. I will tell you that the thing that drives the marketing of guns is exactly the same threat to our well-being that manifested in January 6th. It's an excellent point. You know, Bob, uh, of course, our friends on the right will blame this on violent video games rap song lyrics and mental illness because as you know none of our allies have violent video games rap songs or mental illness so um they'll they'll go on well, they blaming care systems and so that and, and, yeah good point what what <laughs> yeah, I mean, what might or... what what might a resolution look like bob i mean how how does america turn this around i've spent years of my life wondering what what on earth would it take? Does everyone in America have to know someone who dies of gun violence so we have one degree of separation for everyone? And, and or, or do we need to have a president 
pass a, an Emmett Till Act that says that any parent of a slain child can publish the photos of what an AR-15 did to their child's body. I, I half think it's not going to change until everyone is more exposed to the reality of this. It can't just be names in a newspaper. I, I think people have either got to know a victim or actually see footage to see what an AR-15 round does to a child's flesh. Well, I would say that one of the things that we've seen, we know our lived experience is that we had a assault ban weapon ban. Yep. That was something that existed in America. It's not uh, a hypothetical. And during that period of time, we saw a decline in these deaths. And so that's just straight up right there. Um, yep. And then I think also we are starting to see um, things happen where the electorate is speaking. And so you see Generation Z, Congressman Frost, the long, youngest member of Congress, 25 years old, um, elected. You see the dynamism of David Hogg. You see the, the, the veterans of the trauma events of these mass shooting events. And that's the other thing to think about is not just the individuals that are killed or wounded, You're but right. the collateral damage to the confidence of all those young people. And so I do think we are uh, claiming this narrative for ourselves, but it's all it's it's connected. It's also you have to look at the fact that we don't have universal health care. We do not have. That's why when I hear from the the right, the discussion about mental health, you don't see um, a conversation that's meaningful about the lack no. of availability of health care in general. Exactly. No one wants to have the conversation about having at least socialized universal health care for mental wellness care just an easy thing to say to kick the can down the road a bit um bob let me let me bring you a little closer to new york if i could because i don't know if you've heard about this mayor we have over here uh eric adams the republican republican yes. cop who became democratic yes, mayor I, um yes we do see him yeah <laughs> yeah by the way if, if, if you don't mind he'd, he'd like to borrow your cell phone for just a minute uh, if that's possible um <laughs> you know i don't know I don't know where to begin unpacking this beyond saying we could have had Maya Wiley. We could have had Maya Wiley, but no one votes in this damn city. Um, but you have a great piece in Salon about how right now New York is competing with both a homelessness crisis and a migrant crisis. And it seems like our mayor is kind of trying to blame one on the other. Right. Well, one of the things that's happened is this entire nation is still in the throes of post-pandemic reality and in cities there was a body blow that we're still working through if you look at the unprecedented actions that happened where we stopped uh, attendance uh, in school something we had never done in in modern american history we now have a, a real crisis of disconnected youth and yep. a kind of chronic truancy that's happening everywhere we've had in civil service positions the people that respond Cops, firefighters, EMTs, civil servants um, who were had to work through the pandemic. Many of them, if they could see retirement, they they've gone. So we have a problem in New York City of tens of thousands of empty positions in critical positions. They're missing something like 125 architects and civil engineers in the city of New York. When you have a city of the scale of New York City and you're missing that kind of talent, and that's what's been happening throughout, and the response to that has been not to look at how we can encourage people to come into the civil service or even to own the implication of it, but to cut the budget. Now, the crazy thing right. is that New York State 
back in 1905, a Republican governor passed something called the stock transfer tax. It was a nickel for $100. That's all that was. And London had this kind of tax since 1698. And the financial Mm. services did not leave London. They prospered. And so in the 1980s, Democrats, I'm ashamed to say, decided to rebate back that little nickel that's worth tens of billions of dollars back to Wall Street. And we've been rebating it back, John, ever since. And so now New York City is in a situation where the response times, if you have a heart attack, the most critical emergency calls, over 10 minutes. Now, New York City is a place that thrives on tourism. It's very important to have repeat business. So if you have a heart attack and you're a tourist, we want you to come back. (laughs) Mayor Adams, New York, the odds of that has decreased. That's why it's important to stop sending that nickel back to Wall Street and invest it back into the city, which is really the economic engine for the entirety of New York State and much of the nation. Totally, totally. You know, Bob, uh, about 10 years ago, I made a film for PBS about inequality in America. We spent a lot of time in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. And one thing, I'm sorry, in Detroit, rather, we were in New Orleans and in Detroit, um, Detroit after the bankruptcy. And one of the things that blew my mind is that Detroit had 19,000 homeless people at the time, over 19,000 homeless people and over 78,000 abandoned houses at the same time, you, you, you'd think, hey, maybe, just maybe, you have all these abandoniums. You talked to a New York City Housing Authority chief operating office who, who said that their agency actually has almost 5,000 vacant units, but that it takes four to six months just to have the lead and asbestos checks. So the people without a home who just keep on waiting. So the, the problem with this is that and we're seeing this now. There's a lot of reporting related to the ongoing investigation by the FBI um, the allegations are that uh, certain, the, in this case, the folks connected to the Turkish government that had a um, a skyscraper and wanted to get a CO approved uh, certificate of occupancy, that somehow there was some kind of undue pressure. Uh, what is emerging is that, you know, and I knew this, this is not something that is unique to the Adams administration, but forever in a day in new york city businesses uh get special treatment and that's all comes back to the campaign financing i mean it's hard to make a case that it's illegal because it's been the way things have operated and so there is just a sense of urgency when it comes to humanity and so for years and i mean a generation new york state and new york city did what much of the nation did which was to close the mental health facilities rather than mm-hmm. step up to the challenge of making them humane. And basically what they did is turn, turn the subways, libraries, public spaces, corridors, and jails into a place for people with severe mental illness. We have been dealing with this now for 25 or 30 years and not had the moral center to identify the problem. And so now yeah. that we've added the pressure of the weaponization of undocumented Migrants, that's important to talk about that. Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis sending and weaponizing um, folks who are uh, the families and children, folks who are coming from other countries. And I assure you, you don't leave where you're from unless you have no other option. Yeah. And so to weaponize that uh, and so the federal government not stepping up and then this pandemic crisis still lingering, that's what's created this crisis right now. 
Bob, while I still have you, let me ask about labor as well. One of the moments this year I think I'm most thankful for was seeing a sitting president actually join an active strike uh, in Michigan. You have a great new piece in Insider New Jersey called Local USW Nurses Strike Sparks a National Conversation on Staffing. Uh, America's hospitals are in the throes of a workforce crisis that's driven by the lack of safe nurse-to-patient ratios that force tens of thousands of veteran nurses to flee the profession and one in five new nurses to leave in their first year. Um, it does really seem that we are on the verge of a golden age of union uh, expansion in this country. And I'm very curious if you would like to see Joe Biden show up on more picket lines over the next year well, and think, use the yeah, power I, of that platform for more strikes. Well, I think the thing they have to do is um, they're starting with the National Labor Relations Board, trying to hold companies accountable. One of the problems we are still stuck at, 10.2% of the population um, workforce is in the union. It's only 6% if you look at the private sector. That's what makes the UAW win so significant. Uh, it's important for folks to understand the ripple effect. They got a 25% raise and won back many of the things that they offered up as a concession most Americans may not know that the reason why they're still in America water industry, in addition to the taxpayers of the Obama administration, was the sacrifice of the UAW, who gave up a generation of benefits yes. to try to get the floor and reestablish right. the auto industry. We the never auto talk about it. Off. No. Yep. And so now what ended up happening, they created this multiple tier workforce where young hires were hired at like these ridiculously low wages. It's the two-tier system, the two-tier the two tier pay system. They, they exactly. literally, when, when we hear, and God bless Obama and Biden for saving Detroit, but when the reason they saved Detroit was they got the union to plead out to a terrible two-tier pay system where people who have, people are on the line working the same job, but being paid half the wages of the person next to them for doing the same work. Well, and it undermined the confidence in unions because young people didn't believe in them because in their lived experience, it didn't work for them. And so there's no better organizing tool than a successful contract drive. And that's why you saw non-union places, Toyota and the rest, they call it the UAW bump, because immediately after those deals went through, you saw the pay increase spread throughout the auto industry, and they're not done. And I will yep. tell you, the U.S. Post Office has got the same problem with tiered, a tiered workforce. And for whatever reason, it's all been, it was downhill from the time that Reagan unceremoniously laid off all the air traffic controllers who were, by the way, going, who went on strike because of the same conditions that we are dealing with this holiday travel season. And they yes. were fired for caring too much about their job and the American people. Mr. Henley, in our final moments, let me ask, what are you feeling thankful for after a year of such challenge, such progress, but such worry and strife? Well, of course, it's always the uh, the health of my immediate family. And then I just pray that we can build on this opening of peace and sustain the ceasefire and use it and the momentum to open up a conversation about a meaningful two-state solution. The world can't take its eyes off of this. Amen. Bob, what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work? So um, at Stuck Nation, because we surely are. And then also every Monday morning at 7 a.m. If you're up for WBA 99.5, what's going on? The Labor Report. Brilliant. 
Mr. Henley, we are always thankful that you are still a part of this show. I'm so glad you lost that bet with Satan and have to join us. It's always a great pleasure having you here. You are one of the best in the game. Have a great holiday, sir. Thank you so much. We got to take a quick one. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Hey, all. Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example. The oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight. Because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Happy 58th birthday to Bjork, who has a great new single that just came out today with Rosalia called Oral. I recommend you check out the Oral, but it's very good. Happy birthday to Goldie Hawn and Senator Dick Durbin and Voltaire. And the great Coleman Hawkins, born in the state in 1904. We'll play some M later on. Renee Magritte, born in the state. Happy birthday to friends of this show, Marlo Thomas and Tina Brown. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress. Let me go to Jessica in Oregon. Jessica, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Good evening. Hey, John. Um, so I just was curious if you'd heard the news about Melissa Barrera. I sure she did. Is, I am sort of in awe of it because, first of all, she, they've built the entire franchise around her character now mm-hmm. of, Scream, of Scream. Yeah. And also, I read the post that she made, and I didn't see anything anti-Semitic in it at all. Neither did I. She, yeah, and, and it's just kind of insane to me that, I mean, they, they dropped her within hours. Yeah, like, uh, right away. And, and I, I don't really understand the controversy in this case. I You know, like, I, 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 I don't know what it was that she actually said. I, I don't see where she was anti-Semitic. Um, I, you know, we're, we're going to be coming down to what words mean at this point, what apartheid means, what the phrase open air prison means, what the term genocide means. It's it's getting really, really messy. I see a lot of chaos agents really benefiting off of this. But her saying that it, Gaza is being treated like a concentration camp currently. I mean, I, you know, uh, the thing I, is, she just is wanting to you know, know what's going on that's causing all of this, basically. Mm-hmm. That's really it. And the problem I have is, and, and you had been talking about this a few uh, days ago, is the fact that it, it's another thing where they, the powers that be knew what was going to happen and let it happen. Yes. So they could get that power. Exactly and right. It, I think Netanyahu believed he was going to save his career from this. I think he thought this was going to save him from his, his tremendous legal jeopardy. Oh, yeah. No. And just I'm just in awe of it. I'm a you know me. I've called them before. I'm a huge horror nerd. I'm going to see Thanksgiving right now. Mm. Uh, that's where I'm heading. But, you know, this is a, the thing that's crazy is, first of all, they wouldn't pay Nev Campbell what 
she was worth to make her come back. They yeah. build the last two films around or all around this the, character. Yeah, around this character who is no spoilers, but very connected to the original mm-hmm. uh, killers. Yeah, and so now I can tell you, almost guarantee you, they're going to kill her off screen and put Jenna Ortega as the face of Scream. Yeah. They'll do it. But you know what? She's going to get fans she never imagined before. There's going to be a huge backlash about this. And look, I I think you can agree with her comments and still say that Hamas are a bunch of Nazi bastards who are terrorists who slaughtered innocent people. And there's no excuse. You're allowed to just be dis- depressed and disgusted at the treatment of Palestinians and be depressed and disgusted at the treatment of Israelis by these Hamas terrorists. It's not that complicated. I I don't know what's going to happen in this case, but I I agree with what she said. I acknowledge the studio has a right to let go of anyone they want. It's their property. They don't have to let you work on their movie if they don't want to. It's a private business. I get all of that, but I don't think it's going to help their next sequel. No, I I don't think it is either. And it's just ugly i mean it, ugly. it truly is and uh, i can see this happening to or at least more stuff like this going down for other people and you know knee-jerk reactions come back to bite you on the ass yeah and it's they tearing really- apart people on the anti-trump side which is a very very dangerous auger for our politics thank you so very much for the call i appreciate it enjoy the movie okay quick break when we come back more of your calls and the rude pundit joins us to be very rude and take no prisoners It's Thanksgiving Eve Eve, and we're at 866-997-GRIT. Don't go away. Eminem with Dido. Rolling Stone magazine ranked Stan number 296 in their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Number 15 on VH1's list of the greatest hip-hop songs of all time. It was named one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll, reached number one in 12 countries, including the UK, Germany, Ireland, and Australia. Considered one of Eminem's best songs, Stan was the third single from Eminem's third album, the Marshall Mathers LP, and it was released as a single, are you ready? 23 years ago today, <laughs> on the 21st of November 2000. I'm, I don't even think Eminem's 23 years old yet. I don't believe it. Isn't it? Isn't it weird? What does it say uh, about our culture? Maybe that it has become, you know, it's a, it's a, it's well, it's it's it, you know, it's it's become the definition of extreme fandom, right? Yeah. Like in, but like in a in a jovial way, in a way, like a, it's like, oh, I'm such yeah. a stan. I'm such a stan for. Oh, it's it's now it's a na- it's it's an adjective and a verb. I stan you so hard. I mean, it's yes. it's a verb and an adjective. That's how that's how much power Eminem's had on the pop culture. He's not just changing our idioms, folks. <laughs> he's blending he's blending word forms. I stand him so hard for that. It's still a good song, and it's it took me a lot of time too. It took me a long time to realize that that's what this that's where Stan came from. For oh, yeah. some reason, like my mind, it was like it must be like a portmanteau of super fan or stupid <laughs> fan. Yeah, no, but just it's just the Eminem song about nope, the, just the Eminem, that Eminem song. Yeah, I mean it, it, it hit the culture, and Elton John gets some credit for this song being very famous because Elton went and sang it with them. People were going off on Eminem for the well, they they were accusing him of having homophobic lyrics, and the reason for that was he had a lot of homophobic lyrics. I think that's the reason. So uh, Elton John never wanted to turn down a chance for good publicity, decided to confer his magical forgiveness on Eminem and sing a duet. Was it at the VMAs or the Grammys where 
Elton John sang the Dido part. And that's a great, that's a great bigger. question. My, my instinct is to say the VMAs, but that I sounds like a even. Grammys thing. I can't even keep track of all of it. Let's go to the phones. We're at 866-997-4748. Lisa in New Mexico. You've been on hold for so long. Thank you for your patience. You're on progress. I stand you. Well, hello. Hi. So I just want to give you a shout out for what you were saying about how to deal with family this holiday. Please, please. Do you know who Stephen Hassan is? Stephen Hassan? The ex-Mooney. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Have you had him on your show? I have not. You should look into that. This guy, you, you can't reason with them. They can't no. be wrong. This is this Hassan's the guy who helps people out of cults, right? He's he's yeah. the guy who helps people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I know. Yeah. Listen, I, I have my own personal. I have my own personal experience with uh, with cults or cult like behavior, and I know it. You can't reason with people who are literally beyond reason. So, one of the best things I've heard people say to do this Thanksgiving is say. Come on, man. It's Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, yeah. just guilt them and just shutting the fuck up. I think Yeah, you don't good. need to win. You don't need to fight them. I, I, I guarantee it. If it's in front of your relatives, you win by being the biggest person. You win by being the adult who doesn't take the bait and shows the rest of the family how to handle the really edgy right-wing ones. Trust me. You're better off 100%. just getting along with them. Um, 100%. Yeah. Right. I mean, look, Love you it. might think it's fun to slam dunk them, but, but it, it's not going to make the holiday better. Thanks so Listen, much. Just enjoy your turkey. All right. That's enjoy all you got to do. That's all you got to do, please. <laughs> but, you know, when you're the liberal, they know you're the liberal. They follow you on Facebook. They don't comment out of politeness. They're coming for some of you at Thanksgiving. <laughs> so hide behind the mashed potatoes. Be Gandhi on this in one. The same camp. This is it. Be Johnny Cash. Don't take your guns to town, son. Leave your guns at home, Bill. Don't take your guns to town. Thank you so much for the call. It's great to hear from you. Let me go to Marie in Atlanta on line nine. Marie, thank you so much for waiting. You're on progress. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. And before I get into what I called about, I want to make sure to thank to say that I'm thankful for you, for Chris and for Aww. Thea. Um, you. you guys have really created a, a really thank nice you, spot um, in this corner of the universe where I feel like I'm not the insane person screaming in the darkness. <laughs> Thank so I you. I appreciate you. Thank you. We are here um, to talk all kinds of smart people off ledges. This is a show for people <laughs> who have to talk everybody they know off ledges. We're here to talk you off a ledge. So we're glad to help. <laughs> it is much appreciated. Um, and your, your caller who earlier said uh, to bring sides. It not only brings sides, bring your favorite side. The thing mm. that you wouldn't feel like Thanksgiving without, bring it. And that nice. way, Why not? when everybody else is saying dumb crap around the table, you have your favorite side there. And it's Thanksgiving, and you can just revel in, That's I have it. my Thanksgiving thing. Exactly. Um, have something finally, you can look forward to, even if you have to bring it yourself. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. And finally, um, when you were talking about, you know... If, By the way, I feel I feel the same way about illicit narcotics. Uh, just just have something to look forward to, even if you have to bring it yourself. I don't care. Peyote, <laughs> opioids, whatever, whatever it takes, folks. Just, just get through the dinner with these people. You can do it. Sorry, go ahead, Marie. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but the other thing is, you, you were talking about, you know, if you choose to have a conversation... Um, do so in a calm and respectful way, in a way that is, is less about convincing the person that you're talking with and more about convincing those around you. What you're really encouraging people to do is essentially what happens in a court case in front of the Supreme Court. 
but just really? if you've ever listened to it, there, it, it, honestly, that's a skill. When the attorney is standing in front of them, it's like being a cat toy, and there are nine cats swatting at you. <laughs> and what they do is they, they ask questions. They've already had a bench brief from their clerks, right? Mm-hmm. So they know what the issues are. They know what the case law is. They know, you know, they have everything nicely, you know, tied up in a way. So they know what they're walking into. And right. what they're doing when they're asking questions, they're not really so much interested in the answer as getting the attorney's response to convince the other eight justices. Oh. Or maybe they've had a conversation about the case with one of the other justices, and they know that there's an issue that that justice is focused on that they want to show them, no, 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 that's not the key issue. So when they're asking questions, it's really not about convincing them. It's convincing everybody else on the bench. And so I that's see. what you're doing. So yeah. rather than trying to say, well, don't you know he did this and don't you know that? Ask questions like, that's you know, it. so you, you said he's really he's been really good for you. I'd, I'd be interested to know and what you thought was really good for you. And like nice. get them to talk about it. And that that's way what everybody I do. else yes. around the table gets to hear that. Marie, I love you. I don't know how I can love you more, but I keep on finding ways to love you with a deeper ferocity than I knew the day prior. I love this so much because um, I I have my questions I ask, like, you know, can you name one teaching of Jesus Donald Trump has fought for legislatively? Um, You know, like, like, where was Barack Obama born? That's a very good one. And one I really like is when they talk about how great Trump was for the economy. I say, please tell me what Obama economic trend did Donald Trump reverse? And, and, and take a new direction rather than just continue and take credit for. So I want to tell everyone, if you if you need it, if you're stuck and you have to do this, it, it's always better, always better to just ask questions. Like Marie says, we have a hashtag called Ask a Trump Defender. You can go on Twitter. There's like 75 questions. Just use the hashtag Ask a Trump Defender and you will find at least 75 questions that you can ask your blindly obedient Trump loving relative and, and just, you know, see how they answer. So uh, I'm here to help. It's right there on Twitter. If you need it, go ahead about praising dictators or ordering troops who are transgender out of the military or, or if a homeless guy approached your mom and started grabbing her by the vagina, would you consider that assault? So here to help, but you're right. You don't need to get into fights. Just ask them questions and let them stumble. Exactly. Well, thank you, Counselor. Thank you. You are consistently the smartest person in the room. Thank you. We are at 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit, do we have Harry in Texas? Is Harry in Texas calling back? Harry, are you there? I am. I am calling back, sir. I am here. What an honor. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you, sir. I have my son, Neo, here to talk to you. Ah. (laughs) Say hi, Neo. Hi. Hello. Hi, Neo. Is is your is your dad making you very uncomfortable talking on the radio? Is it is it a no, work night? No. Can we make him feel bad? Yeah, go ahead, and make him feel bad. No, I'm cool with this. I I talk on stream a lot with some streamers of mine. Oh, so right I'm on. Cool I'm glad it. to hear it. Uh, you know, you have a father who really is a, a big fan of yours and called us last week and was talking all about your life and your challenges. And uh, I, I was just saying how how blessed you are to have such. A, I mean, I'm sure he's, you know, got a lot of defects you could tell us about sometime. But um, you're you're a very lucky uh, person to be so loved by your dad. Oh, I'm, I'm extremely lucky um, within the community. Fathers are some of the hardest people to get right with accepting. So I was extremely lucky when when I went out and told him, um, I remember the night like no tomorrow, I came into his office and I just sat him down and told him like, hey, 
this is who I am. And instead of like getting mad at me or berating me, he just said, I have one question. Does this mean you're not going to take out the garbage? And just huh. really <laughs> assured for me that he's going to be there for me. And he's been there since the beginning. Wow. Um, had a bit of a harder time with my mom, but she came around. Um, now, now she's and now she's even a bigger defender than I ever expected her to be. Yeah, she's more. Yeah, well, the, I got. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. Oh, okay. I'm just saying you're doing this in Texas. I mean, you're coming out as as trans in Texas. I have a cousin oh, who's a. Sure. I have a cousin who's a little. Uh, I have a little cousin who who is has you know, told her parents that she is a boy. And um, and so I'm watching my cousins go through this experience. And geography really counts. You have a lot of bravery to do this in the state you're doing this in. Yeah, especially with the school system right now. Um, for example, I'm, I'm a senior in high school right now. I'm about to graduate and go off to college. But um, when I came out to the school system, it came with a lot of problems. I was yeah. no longer, I was barred from using the the public bathrooms, I had to go use the nurse's bathroom, and if the nurse weren't there, I just couldn't use the bathroom. Um, I was no longer allowed to change in the PE locker rooms. I had to go change in the nurse's bathroom um, because wow. they thought, well, they're going to be uncomfortable with you. Yeah. And yeah. even after we got my my papers changed where it says on paper that I'm male, um, I still have to use the, use the nurse's bathroom to this day. And it's just created a lot of fear. Like, even in public, I use family bathrooms because just going into a female's bathroom doesn't feel right. But at the same time, I'm not safe going into the male's bathroom. I get it. I get it. What was the response like from your classmates? How How has that experience been? And, and has it evolved over time? It's evolved a lot. It started off very, very badly. Um, I lost countless friends. I was alone. Um, I've been threatened. I've um, almost gotten beat up physically before. Um, it's evolved over time. I've made those friends that really matter. I mean, like, hell, I have only two friends right now, but they're like the best people in my life right now. That's great. Um, and it even it was worse on the dating side because you know I'm I'm getting older. You meet people. Um, I have a I have a loving boyfriend right now, and it took a long way to figure out who the right person was. Of course, because um, just the stigma around because because like I'm not interested in girls, but girls will think like, oh, you you like me because I'm a girl and you used to be a girl, which isn't the purpose. Like that's not yeah. what it is. But then guys will be like, if I'm dating other guys, they'll be like, well, you're not a real guy, so I don't like you. And exactly. it just was really hard to find that right person. Wow. Um, what advice would you but, give? What advice would you give to other young people in your position, maybe in a, a place like Texas or, or, or nothing like Texas, who are scared to tell their parents? You know, the, the, the bravery it takes to be able to, to come out and, and just process everything and understand yourself and understand your experience. What, what advice would you give to a young person who doesn't know how to begin this process? Well, my first, my first um, advice is blood is not thicker than water. Um, you may have family around you that will love and come around to the fact, but you're going to have that family that may never come around yeah. and may yeah. just, like, just, just do all these horrible things, say all these horrible things. And at that point you need to realize they're not really there for you. And 
that's not family. And you may have friends who are more closer to family than other family members may be, but you just, you need to keep going. Like, like I've suffered from problems. I sure. got close to very bad things before, but I've had people, family and non-family be able to pull me out of that and just major point, just keep going. It's yeah. going to get better. Even if, even if everything seems down and nothing's going to seem right, you need to keep going because well, that's it's, advice for everybody, isn't it? That's not just advice for <laughs> our transgender loved ones. That's advice for everyone at every stage of life. I was going to ask you the big hope question. What do you do when you feel alone, when you, when you feel like uh, you're, you're, you're friendless or when you feel like you're in a place where no one's going to understand? I mean, when it got bad for you, I'm glad it's better now. But, but what has given you hope through this process when you can't feel it or find it? Um, my way of processing that is I draw all the time i nice. art is what got smart. me out of a lot of depressive areas smart um that w- and music as well because music is just a way to open up without saying anything yes there are artists out there that have opened up for you and you can listen to, to meditation them for yourself yeah like yeah. a meditation but my way of getting out of those areas was just drawing all the time like i've gone through like seven sketchbooks eaten throughout great. the start of the school year just because it keeps me calm it's great. And, yeah. Yeah, I know. Listen, I, 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 I think it's amazing that you have that. It is like a meditation. Let me let me ask one more dumb question. Um, Go ahead. You, you mentioned losing your friends when you made the choice yeah. to come public and, and transition. Were there any friends that turned their back on you that later came back in some way, even if they didn't come back as full friends, but came back to you? with warmth or with more understanding or was it just done it was just done none of them came around in any way no one came back some family members did family came back but purely for the reason of family but friends no they just cut it and i've never heard from any of them again well, congratulations yeah. on congratulations on learning how to separate your friends from your pals a lot of people don't learn that until adulthood and you've learned it yeah, well, you kind of have to learn it when you're put in a situation like that. Because what do you do when everyone turns their back on you and you don't know who's going to be next? So let, let me then just ask one last question. Um, and thank you for talking to us, Neo. Really an honor. Um, you're you're, you're a trans you're a transgender young person in Texas who's <laughs> living your truth publicly and openly. What are you and thankful I'm about to for? Be thrown into adulthood. What am I thankful yeah, right. for? What are you thankful for this year? Yeah. What gives you gratitude? My life, because there was a time in 2020 where I could have not have been here. I'm just thankful I keep waking up every morning because if um, if I would have made that decision, I wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. The, the pandemic really, really, you know, did a lot to, um, you know, to, to, mess, to mess up a lot of kids' lives. A lot. And, um, you know, is it, you know, but fortunately he was able to come back from that. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that you didn't go mm-hmm. another route and I'm thankful for all the good you're going to do in this world. And, uh, and, and I'm thankful for classing up our show. Thanks for calling in. You should do this more often. It's a pleasure. We don't, we don't get to talk to a lot of transgender youths in Texas. You'd think we would, but not that many. So I'm really well, honored. A lot of them, like me, are just hidden because it's too dangerous to be out right now. 
especially money. right also, now. No, people, and people, even well-intentioned people, don't always like what they don't understand. People get scared. And they don't know how to act. People have mm-hmm. been taught a shitty version of what Christianity is, and they think that's being mean to people on the margins instead of being loving and warm. So, I, listen, I, you have every right to be bitter. I'm, I'm very impressed you don't, and I congratulate you on your warmth. You inspire me to be more patient. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And Harry, thank you as well. Really a pleasure. No problem, sir. We'll talk to you some other time. Right on. Have a great evening and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We, you know, we are doing so well with the phones. Let's, let's, let's keep on going. Bill in New Jersey. Hello, sir. Thank you for waiting on hold for so long. You're on progress. Good evening, John. It's hard to follow that one. Um, right. Anyway, uh, yeah. Do you have anything? You have anything you want to announce? No, I suck. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> generally, I always suck. But um, anything, anything brave like that, young person, you want to share? <laughs> I'm sorry to make you follow the brave trans kid well, in Texas. <laughs> that's okay. I'm going. You know, I'm going to stop um, uh, judging uh, Trump by the color of his skin. And yes, there you go. Thank you. Because that's what orange lives born. matter. Orange lives right. matter. Yeah. Right. Um, and he is actually an officer and a boogeyman. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I, um, the, uh, the the fact is that prices are down. I mean, turkeys are cheaper. Gas is the cheapest since uh, 2019, and it looks good now. OPEC is about to drop a bomb. We'll see what happens. But there's still a good chance. But people don't know this. You know, you watch Fox. There was some guy in there saying he spent $96 on a turkey or something. Yeah, I saw that. Jason Chaffetz. Boy, they're finally talking about him again because he told another lie. Right, right, right. But uh, I I was listening to uh, Tom Show. Jefferson Smith was filling in for him. And Mm -hmm. uh, he had some sort of expert who was saying how to deal with uh, conversations that, you know, people are on the politically other side. And yeah. he says uh, five things. One, listen and affirm the other person's concerns in a positive yes. way. Exactly, there is always. A problem at the border. There is a problem at the border. Find mm-hmm. common ground. Agreement that immigration reform has taken too long. Find a way to yeah. challenge the other person's orthodoxy. Don't you think Trump goes a little too far sometimes? <laughs> and, then, and then crow about Joe Biden and the Democratic positive positions. Reveal yeah. economic successes. Did you know Biden brought down inflation after yeah. decades of procrastination? And the infrastructure bill has brought a lot of jobs. That's and, right. Um, but um, and the other thing with the cult, the way to bring them back is to a time before they join the cult to humanize them. And Fascinating. It's, Very it's, good. Specific notion. Very nice. Right. But as long as you can bring them to a point where you're both human, talking about something you have in common, things change. And, uh, you know, the animosity and the anger, you know, sort of disappears. But uh, uh, I thought that was some pretty good stuff. Wow. Wow. One last. Yeah. Yeah. One one last thing. Do you think that um, Matt Gates looks like Conway Twitty in his early years, like the black and white? No. No, I don't. Oh. I don't. Uh, I, I think I think he'd like to, but no. I, I think Conway Twitty had a natural thing. Uh, Gates is is, is trying too hard. 
Right, right. Conway Twitty made it look easy. Uh, but I will say something. Uh, you, sir, this call, you you know how to follow the trans kid in, in, in Texas. Got to say, well done. Thank you. I trans well. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT is our number. We're going to be taking your calls all night, all the way till midnight on the East Coast, 9 p.m. on the Pacific. So if this is one of those nights where you're someone who doesn't call in too much, you like to just listen tonight, we want to hear from you. Are you excited for Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for? What are you doing? Are you staying off the roads? The weather's going to be kind of grisly. Um and how do you handle your right-wing loved ones? Let's go to Tim in Massachusetts. Tim, thanks for waiting on hold. You're on Sirius XM. Good evening. Hey, how's it going? Very good. Good. How are you? Well, first, yeah, very good. First of all, before I forget, you know, thank, happy Thanksgiving to you, Chris, and the whole staff. Thank you. And I'm just, th- and I'm just thankful for hearing everyone who calls this show. Me too. And I'm glad, and I'm glad it was Bill who had to follow with her. The previous caller and not me because I couldn't follow up with that Right? Wasn't that kid great? Oh, he was great. Uh, I know. I don't know many. I know a few, one or two transgendered people, but not very well. Yeah. He was, he was very articulate. By the way, I think I once to... everyone in America knows two transgender people, people will start to calm down. Once they know two and they can start oh, comparing yeah. the first one they know with the second one they know, then they'll be in the club and they can calm down a little yeah. bit. We'll, we'll get there. I hope so. Anyway, I'm just answering your question on the Elkin John M&M thing. That was yes, the Grammy Award. It was. Yes, if you remember correctly, that 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 album, the M&M album, I think it was the second album, the Marshall Mathers album, that was pretty much a favorite for the Grammys. Because, yes. But, of course, there was a controversy because of certain songs in that album, that one in particular. Yeah. So there was pretty much all the controversy that if that album didn't win, it was probably going to be the Radiohead album that won. Mm-hmm. As it turns out, neither, neither one won. It was the Steely Dan album that won. That's right. That That's right. That's right. Oh, mm-hmm. Beating Kid A by Radiohead and Eminem. Yeah, and Fagan and Becker went up there looking like, they, it's like who, who are we and what are we doing here? Basically. Oh, my God, I just remembered that. That's right. People were so upset because they thought it was another one of those Lifetime Achievement Awards rather than an award. But that always happens. They Very rarely do they actually give the Grammy of the Year. It's always, oh, well, you should have won last year or you should have won it many times over the years. So here's your here's your album of the year one. That was yeah. that, which definitely was the case. That was like... An, that was definitely an easy out for him. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, like, I thought Lauren Hill deserved it. I thought Bob Dylan deserved it. But sometimes, you know, like like Beck or, or Arcade Fire, I thought they were given the Album of the Year Grammy for better albums they had done previously that didn't get honored. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we should have got you then. We're hip to you now. So, um, exactly. but yeah, Steely Dan. But they, they had a good record. So God bless him. And I don't think Eminem mind, minded. He got an Oscar. Oh, yes, he did. Later, later on, he did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. For a much better song. Yep. yep. So pretty much that was this. So that's pretty much that. Like I said, Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Take care. 866-997-4748. So it was the Grammys. Who knew? 866-997-GRIT. Let me get one more call in. Uh, Beachside Bill in Orlando. Thank you so much for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Hey, hey John. Good evening. Happy, happy Thanksgiving. I try to record remembrance day more than thanks you know it's thankful yes i'm gonna be at my sister's house but the thing is i try to remember i i listen to simon and julie a lot and remember what happened 
you know, all those back at when it originally happened. But we don't need to get into all that. But I try yes. to remember that. And um, just JFK quick. I, I was five years old. I was in Kennedy country in kindergarten, and, and the teacher was bawling her eyes out when she got the news, and they sent us home and all that. And I often ask the question, where would we be without the Zabura film? When it yeah. comes to the Kennedy, you know, yeah. it, it would, you know, without it, you know, it would be, you know, it would be chaos on on the uh, the, the side of the the the, the, couldn't, the nuts, you know, the conspiracy. I mean, theory. you could argue it would be a lot less chaos if it hadn't been the Bertha Zabruder film. The Zabruder film is kind of how people really began to understand that the government, in ways we still don't understand, we're not telling the whole story. I mean, you know, this whole thing might have gone away. We might not have. We might never talk about this were it not for the Zapruder film. Yeah, well, and Joe Biden. There's still those thousand documents. They still have those thousand documents. Joe Biden could release them. You know, remember Trump was wavy on it when he wanted them, when it was time to release them. But yeah, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see quickly. I hope we know someday. Uh, um, yeah, I know. All my blood thing. So I, I told you last night I had 150 gallons. Well, I walk in the blood bank this morning, and they have this big banner up there for me. Welcome, you know, thank you, welcome. You, know, you, you, you hit 150 gallons, and I oh had no God. idea it was going to happen. So I put it out on Twitter. We follow each other. I put it out there. You know, we still follow each other on Twitter. Okay. And uh, but the amazing thing was there was no press there. I said no media, nothing. They had one girl who. Put it out on Facebook, you know. I, there's no media. I would have, you know, when you have a have ever have a have a here of 150 gallons donated, you know, you never hear it. Not often, if ever, you know. <laughs> so, hey, just think about it. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those ironic things. And, and you know, I think about donating, and I think about David Crosby. And, yeah, tell me, you know, please. Someone donated. Someone don't. Someone donated a liver to David Crosby, and we got That's an right. extra. 20 years out of David Crosby preach that we it, wouldn't have preach had. It, preach it, Yes. You know. You know yes. And uh, I, I, why I, I donate blood is just, there's a passion for compassion within me. It comes from my mother. Our mothers were nurses, so you understand that uh, they instilled, at least she did my mother. She no, no, mine too. My mother was, too. yeah, my mother, I, yeah, mother was a nurse as well. I know. No, you inspire me so and much because you got to understand, like, you're, you have good blood. Like, I try to donate my blood, and they said that my blood needs to be actually buried in a lead box. I'm not as healthy as you, <laughs> apparently. So that's, that's what I'm up against. So you just inspire me all day long, Bill. Well, thank you. I, I, but I want to thank you because you, you're the first one really to let me talk about it. I think I've been calling you a couple of years. I don't remember exactly <laughs> how long. I don't know whatever the hell it was now. But, you know, I want to say thank you and, and to, to Thea and Chris as well and everybody there on Sirius. So, you know. I want to thank you. Thank you for your civic engagement. Thank you for being a pro-life patriot. Thank you for giving 150 gallons of blood. Thank you for not asking about the political ideology of people you are helping. You just give it and hopefully it helps all kinds of people. Believe in the ones you don't agree with, and that's one of the reasons why I'm thankful for you, man. You're a great American. Well, it goes to children with cancer. That that's my that's my legacy. My blood goes strictly to them, really. And, oh, see, and I, I demanded my, that no, my... I demanded no sick children get my blood. I, I really made a fuss about it too. I yelled, yeah, they didn't like me down at the clinic. I, I just that was my thing. Yeah. All right, Bill, thank you well, so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Have a great evening. This is progress.